it would be a chill start. Well, I know we spent the last five minutes talking about my deceased grandmother-in-law's favorite recipes for frozen salad. And I feel like that would be a cool energy to start besties with for now. Just talking about some reci- like, recipes. Like, recipes. Cool. Right now, here's a recipes. Next yeah. week, I'll be talking about chest bars. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. But we do need one for this week. Okay, so I've got a, a breakfast recipe, and I, I I can confirm this is actually... Now, would this be no. a recipe? <laughs> This would be a recipe. This would be a recipe. Oh my god! Now this now this segment is good and real. (laughs) Hit me with your recipe. Okay. (laughs) So first, you take the eggs. Every breakfast starts with eggs, Uh, as we all know. uh And then you add, not with the eggs, but on the side, a little bit of apple cider in a glass. Uh, Oh. And then you add an apple cider donut alongside the apple cider. I call okay, it so apple are... apple egg. <laughs> I love listen, Russ. I love the recipe for apple apple egg. Thank you. I think it's a I think it's a lot of fun. But it does sound like three different already made foods that don't really interact with each other, as is normally the case in a recipe. Yeah. So is that what sets a recipe apart? Is that it's food that already exists that you eat at the same time? Yeah, you just mix. I mean, you mix flour and water and stuff to make cake. So, like, how is this any different? M- mixing egg, donut, and, and apple cider, but in your mouth, not in a pot. And my stomach In your mouth well. and tummy. Right. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. It's, it's so much easier. Mm, I, I, it doesn't sound like a recipe, though. Or a recipe. It just sounds like you rustled something up. Yeah, mm. that's good, too. Maybe that's all it is. Yeah. Listen, Russ is leading us all into a new era of food. <laughs> end of sentence and i think if you're not ready to take that ride you can get left behind with the rest of the people out there eating ceviche or whatever and not <laughs> a, and not egg apple apple or sorry was it apple apple, apple, apple egg? egg sorry yeah, i apologize it's not about yeah. like cosmopolitan meals it's more rustic <laughs> oh man come you're on you're just full of them today chris i've come missed on. you man I don't know what you're talking about i'm just i'm just here talking yeah that's all any of us are ever doing <laughs> My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best games of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy. I do know the best games of the week. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I'm sticking with a plural here. I know many good games this week. Ooh, wow. My name is Russ Rushy, and I know the best games of the week. I'm a sleeping baby over there in wrestling. It sounds like well, welcome to the Vesties, where we profile the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. It is a video game club, my friend, just by listening to you. Are remember we got a double header for you this week. Games are as we tend to announce in the show uh, when you least expect it. Back games are back, Yo, everybody. Yeah. And these these particular entries today, they have come a long way since Pac-Man. <laughs> they are, I would say, wholly unrelated to Pac-Man. In any way, we know one of them has Pac-Man in it. Well, shit, you're right. Actually, one of them has Pac-Man in it, so <laughs> they just take on my face. Uh, we're going to be talking about Inscription and Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, we'll say for the second segment. Um, so glad to see Telltale uh, back. <laughs> no in the kidding, um, dog. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> but first up, we're going to be talking about Inscription. Chris Plant, what's Inscription? Inscription starts out as a spoopy uh, card deck-based game, but it's not... 
I you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I would say not as much a card game as it is like a tabletop D and D style game with cards with a meta game layered on top where you're you're straight up trying to escape the room. It's uh one of the wildest games uh, I've played this year. We're going to be talking a lot more about it right after this quick break. You go get a phone. You just want a phone. Talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? I'm not going to pull that nonsense. Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I will say, just as a table setter, uh, Inscription is my uh, current, maybe un, un, unseated, but I don't know about it, is my favorite game of 2021. Wow. wow. Yes, I absolutely adore Inscription. And I am simultaneously desperate to talk about every facet of Inscription and also not wanting to spoil Inscription because like, uh, unlike a lot of these uh, deck based card battling games it can absolutely be be spoiled for you in a lot of uh unpleasant ways so i want to try to keep it relatively vague especially because i have a caveman brain and i haven't gotten past what is apparently the first act of inscription uh despite the fact that i do enjoy the game quite a bit yeah i i think we'll stick to the first hour or so and not get into any of the the biggie stuff but uh, Justin, I, we had a lot of people saying that you needed to play this game. Do you think that is because it is a mix of card games, which you are obsessed with, uh, Sleep No More, Mask, Meta Theater, which you're obsessed with, and Escape Rooms? It's everything I love in one game. It seems like absolutely engineered. And without spoiling anything, I think I said this in the last week episode, Russ is like, Justin, this is your game. Like, it's got all these elements you love. The only thing it's missing is FMV. And then later I was like, Russ, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> this hits all the notes for me. It is the that rare game that it trusts you to meet it halfway, but makes itself, like, pleasant and engaging and, like, really brings you in from the from the very first beat it looks like nothing else it's like dark and scary in a way that like works it, like in a way that you're playing a card game against someone you can barely see and he's constantly hidden in shadow it kind of looks like a, a ps1 game is what the like aesthetic reminds me of like a, a yeah, ps1 horror of. game 
I love this aesthetic. It's a, they're trying to do like, it's like a retro, you know, it kind of reminds me of, it doesn't look anything like this, but conceptually like Obra did yeah. where it's like sure. classic elements that are being engineered and retooled in like a very modern seeming way. But like the guy that you're playing against who's hidden in shadow is putting on different he's masks to play different roles. He's a real to, thing. As, yeah. He's a real, he's a real, uh, uh fun, fun character. Is uh, he more of a joker or a riddler? He's more a joker and a toker and a midnight. Smother, <laughs> I would say this guy, uh, who I know his name, but I don't want to spoil his name. I, it's Todd. It's Todd. <laughs> it's Todd. Uh, this game, it's Todd. It's Todd. <laughs> <laughs> um, what works about this game that y- that you guys can talk about without getting into the yeah. stuff that is sort of... Yeah, I, I think for me, you know, I really liked Hearthstone when it came out and I got into it and then I fell off when it just became like too much. There was too much to keep track of and classes and all sorts of stuff like that. That was by Expansion Pack 2, probably, yeah. for Hearthstone. It's when it jumped the shark. Yeah, and I think for this, obviously, it's it's a totally different experience insofar as this is not designed as like a living game that's going to survive forever. But it does do something that I always really liked about Hearthstone, which is introducing narrative into the card game mechanics when they would do those like single player expansions and kind of throw you for a loop with these like crazy rules in the middle of, you know, while you were playing, um, you'd be uh, following like a certain set of rules. And then the, the, your enemy, the host in this case would be like, ah, 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 but what if I did this and like totally change the game entirely. And that I feel like I'm like fighting against the tide a little bit and makes me feel like really super invested in the events that are going on in the game. They also like, like some of your cards talk to you, which is very funny and cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and there's like characterizations in the cards themselves. Yeah. I, my bummer with like most card games, I don't like reading rules. I don't mind rules yeah. in video games. I yeah. like Spelunky, but I don't like having to like read rules over and over and every new card to, I just I just find it very exhausting. This game, and I, I know that puts me in the minority. Don't worry, I know. This game is so good about how it fits its rules into its story. So you mentioned mm-hmm. the cards talking to you. It's menacing. Um, they're like truly terrified of whatever place they are in. Um, and they either are explaining it as a way to counter this uh, ghoulish uh, fellow that you're playing against. Or he is outright saying the rules, but they it comes across as menacing because, like you said, he just keeps changing them. So while it's giving me the same thing a lot of card games have given me in the past, I don't know. It maybe it's like a spoonful of sugar sort of thing, but it goes down much easier. It um it it is also smart in the way that so the, the sort of core mechanic for the section that we're discussing is one of sacrifice. So you play an, an animal, um, the the sort of base unit is a squirrel that doesn't attack or defend. It doesn't attack. It, it's just sort of like there to be sacrificed. And you can use your turn to draw a squirrel and play the squirrel, and then it's out there on the board. Uh, and then when you get an, an animal or creature that does do damage, you sacrifice the squirrel to play that card. And each card has a different sacrifice cost. It's, it's the same way you would tap mana in like a magic game. But what is what I like about inscription and where it starts to feel really chunky is like 
a lot of card games like this have these loops where you build up what I would say is like a really solid deck and it works synergistically and it feels like kind of very strong and undefeatable Mm -hmm. and in a way that you can slowly sort of build your deck and then you can slowly sort of lay out your strategy and it's consistent, whatever. Inscription, because you are constantly sacrificing to play your next card, it feels very much like swinging from vine to vine. Like, I really hope this next thing works because I don't like I'm going to have to kill the thing that is working pretty good for me to play the next card. It doesn't feel like good and powerful. It feels like scary each time you play because it could fall apart really, really quickly. And that's on it. I, I, uh, my only qualms with the game are is is related to how how that works because I have had runs that I have had like incredible success with. You can at the end of each of your runs, uh, you get to make something called a death card, and with that, you pull the stats from different cards in your hand. Right, like the cost comes from one card. If you're lucky, you can get a zero cost card. Uh, and then you can get like the health and damage numbers of a different card. And then you can get the sigil, which is like the, um, you know, modifier. Think like in Hearthstone, you have the, oh God, the taunting one. Mm-hmm. And I forget all the different sort of things, but there's a ton of them in this game. And it creates like a unique card. I had one run where I had like this beastly deck with this God card in it that was just like able to, you know, if I get it in the first draw, I can defeat the opponent in a single round. I was crushing it. And then literally one bad turn on a boss fight and I was dead the next round. Okay, but this is this is the secret genius thing about it. Those death cards are actually how you are like how this is a, a roguelite and how you are advancing because those death cards, well, a lot of games like this will give you like uh, some sort of currency that you'll use to upgrade or you'll unlock new cards that will get added to your deck because you've gotten to a certain level. The death cards are reseeded yeah. between matches. So the more you play, the more death cards you will encounter. And these cards are very powerful. So you play it enough times, eventually you're running into two or three of these extremely powerful cards that you can build a deck around. So that is the way that you're like sort of advancing as you play. It's not just starting you from scratch. On that front, Juice, I had a quick question. As someone who's played probably more than anyone else here, as you, like, is this... I finished it, to be clear. And you finished it, okay. So is this a... A more or less a linear card game or does it at some point hit the point that a game like slay the spire does where it's encouraging you to like do basically infinite runs have you finished the first act i think so <laughs> there's no way to confirm that how do i know i mean i i have you beaten the, the yeah guy? the boss you beat the boss yes. and you've done the next maybe thing. i didn't do the next thing i think i might have stopped at the boss Christ. Sorry. Okay. Um, no, it's not your fault. It's all experiences are valid. Um, I, you, it, okay, I'll tell you this. It completely throws out all the mechanics and starts again. Okay. How's that? Cool. How's that? Without, oh, 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 and all the aesthetics. Wow. Okay. Okay, cool. The the entirety of the game changes. Wow. I, there are still cards. Okay, That's cool. Exciting I'm glad. To hear. 
I love cards. That honestly um, makes me even more pumped because I'm. You I, won't know until you guys play a little bit farther. You will not know why people are very excited about. This I mean, game. I'm already excited. Like, I think they nail. I know, even that part is great, yeah. right? That's what's so cool. It's like it's not like not to dump on it, but like there's been games like Near where you got to get through some pretty yeah, chunky yeah. stuff to get to the fun stuff, right? And this is like. You've Not set. You've activated Chris Plant. <laughs> no, well, no. I, I think it's it's very fair. This game wouldn't have existed without Near. I think that's oh. a perfectly fair and nice thing to say. <laughs> sure. Uh, there is. It is like you don't. Even, it is also layering on some like. It's like four layers of meta. Like and on top of the card game, there's also like we we touched on the escape thing, but just like highlight that real quick. You're in a room that is full of other puzzles. Yeah that are being hinted at by your cards who also want you to escape. And so you're like cards are nudging you towards not just strategies in the game, but like things you should check out in the room. Like you stand up and physically walk around the room. That you're yeah. In, to be one, clear. one example. And I was curious about this as well. So like one of my cards gave me a clue. This is like the first clue. So I don't, necessarily think this is a spoiler one of the cards is like hey you should you should read the instruction book that's in the room and yes. in the instruction book is a clue for something else that is in the room is like if i just missed that prompt w- w- do you think i would ever find that thing or are there other ways that i would maybe you would find have definitely that found it there are only so many things to click in that room like you would, you would definitely have found it but also there is a that is the progression really. Yeah. So like they would have kept prodding you oh, like, I see. Yep. until you found Got the it. thing. Um with, with with very little exception. Um yeah. Big thanks, by the way, to Steven Spawn for actually yes. I think referencing this game and recommending it uh during during that episode. Uh <sighs> what, a, so, what a good record. So so excellent. Do you think that um, there's do you think that there is stuff in this game for people who are not uh, you know, attuned to the Hearthstone, Slay the Spire, that's Monster me. Train, like, that's you. Okay. Yeah, like, I, I do not get into that stuff, and this game rules. I actually don't like Hearthstone very much. I think it's too many too many mechanics for me to really At this really point, yes, absolutely. With. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's just very forgiving. I, I think because it is a bit more chaos, I, I, I found that, like, I... I don't know. Maybe maybe I just have a real smart brain, and I would be great at Hearthstone if I just gave more time to it. You know, that's probably it. Um, but no, I, I felt like it was like a game that invited me in, um, and that's just something I don't feel with most card games. I also want to say, like, it's very weird. I, I mean, we have two games this week. Two games mm-hmm, that right. none of I mean, Inscription I hadn't heard of until Steve mentioned it. So that's one, and then Guardians of the Galaxy, which none of us even were watching out for and ended up being i think we'll talk about it quite good and that's kind of very rare i mean the indie game coming out of nowhere happens more frequently but the triple a game coming out of nowhere is very rare so this is this is a pretty (laughs) rarefied episode it's less exciting though when it it came out of nowhere because you expected it would be complete dog shit. (laughs) that's true and it is it's actually more exciting for me that way Uh, it that happens almost never you sure. know what? That feels like a good segue. I actually don't want to talk about inscription too much. I'm hopeful that we will return to it later. Yeah. In the in the It'll year. It'll definitely start totally forget me. Yeah. And you guys promise me you'll play more yes. before then because you're not going to yeah. uh, have valid opinions. Um, <laughs> all, except for all experiences and opinions, which are, <laughs> sure, are valid. Sure, sure. Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll come back to talk about uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Y'all. 
You already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have, and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. This episode of The Besties is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up, you just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi, and once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old, I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old, and they both love their Aura frames, and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Now, Chris Plant, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there already a Guardians of the Galaxy game? There? Oh, there was. There was. Well, I didn't play that. I, when I mentioned Telltale, that was not no, a that joke. Was, that I, was legit. Absolutely a Telltale experience. Did you play that? Did anybody? I, I mean, know. I feel like that that is one of the first Telltale ones that wherever it was kind of like, we get it, you're doing a license. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, every, was, that was everything. That was close to the end of yeah. Telltale. That was, what, 2017? When did Telltale kind of... Stop. Around then. <laughs> anyway, yeah, let's not yeah. dwell on Anywho, the past. It's different from that. Let's live for the present. But not that different. Kind of. Yeah. So, hey, everybody. Guardians of the Galaxy is a new video game that is actually good. Uh, earlier, we just said, uh, hey, we didn't keep an eye on this. Oh, we did keep an eye on it. The marketing for this game was uh, dreadful. 
And they really managed to show the worst bits of it. I also wonder if they had a bit of a cyberpunk uh, problem here where they didn't want to show what this looks like on a console that actually runs well. So they showed really ugly versions of the gameplay. I don't I don't know what the deal is, but the long story short, you can play Guardians of the Galaxy now and it is quite good. It blends together kind of the action of RPGs like Tales of Arise and <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake. It does. It does. I, I hear you scoffing. It's true. It does. I know. Um, it, it has some of that storytelling vibe from Telltale. Characters, they just talk through the entire game. They don't stop talking. And what else would you say? A little bit uncharted, a little, a little uncharted here and there. Yeah, a little bit of uncharted, a little bit of um, there's like some uh, like Tomb Raidery side questing slightly. Um, I think the big thing that just shocked me immediately was how instantly invested I was. You know, I like the Guardians movies; they're pretty good. I'm not like a huge diehard fan. But the writing in this game is, like, pretty spectacular. Um, and I was immediately, like... Like, when I play this game, the parts that I get excited for are not the action parts, and that's very rare for me. I usually, like, get down on the, like, quote-unquote gameplay e parts. It's more mm-hmm. just, like, me walking around the ship hearing, like, the fellow shipmates saying fun shit. Like, it is so well-written. Yeah. Um, it is also, I think, worth noting that, like... If you have not watched the Guardians of the Galaxy movies or played the much beloved Telltale uh, series <laughs> and well remembered, <laughs> uh, it's wild how little, by which I mean no, like uh, exposition about like their origins. Like this game assumes like you know who the fuck these guys are. Like they have done all that. They have done all that found family stuff. And, like, you know it. Yeah, but probably. I think they, If you're playing this game, odds are you know I it. I think they do a very subtle and good job of making it clear in the first level who the, ba- the like, basics of each of these characters that you would need sure. to know if you didn't know anything. They, But they don't get but bogged they don't down, get bogged down in Exactly. Exposition. I think that's yeah. great. I, yeah. think it's a, I think it yeah. is a great thing because it, 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 it changes the stakes a bit from, oh, no, are these ragtag oddballs gonna find a way to work together like they already did that yeah. to probably save the galaxy a couple times and this time it's like they have differences still that they have well, not necessarily well, ironed me, out let me correct one quick thing so this okay. game i'm pretty sure takes place more or less six months into the forming of them so it's actually i think a prequel to the events of the other of like the movies, whether they're in the MCU, no, 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 or no, not. no, 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 not in the MCU for sure. Totally, so totally irrelevant. separate, and there are a number of things that uh, very, very much separate this from the movies, especially uh, how Thanos fits into this story. Yeah, but, and his mom. But, but they do make <laughs> yeah, the point sure. of saying that both Drax and Gamora had just recently joined. Oh, yes, it it is set early in their relationship, but I I think. You don't need to know anything about the movies here because right. it right. is a that very is different Guardians of the Galaxy story than yeah. where the movies take I, it, minus the fact that they both love classic rock. I feel like it's uh, – I'm trying to put my finger on what is working about this game for me because it is really divisive in a way that like yeah. most games aren't anymore, right? Like most people seem to reach a, a general consensus, and this is not – one of those I've heard some people like really, really not f- vibing with it. And some people like really enjoying it. I, 
I really think that they do. The writing is really the, at the center of this, and they really genuinely do a good job of, you know, a lot of times when you have antiheroes like the Guardians of the Galaxy, there's this underlying, like, marshmallow to them where it's like, yeah, they have a tough exterior, but, you know, deep down, they really love each other, right? And I feel like this game really plays with that in a way that's like, genuine and fun and really does make you feel like it's five people who are out for themselves but do look out for each other like and at times where you don't expect it makes it hit mm-hmm. harder like there's a there's a moment where they're in a tight spot and uh rocket raccoon who is a raccoon with guns and who does engineering stuff suggests to star lord who's peter quill who's like the kind of the leader of the group that a good way for him to for them to get out of the situation they're in is for him to uh, drop on the ground and act like he has passed out and is having some sort of um, episode. And then they would all leave during the distraction. And he, and Peter Quill says, what about me? And Rocket says, well, you just kind of take one for the team. You <laughs> <laughs> would just be kind of taking one for the team. And it's like, there's a lot of yeah. that underneath it where it's like, wow, these people actually, there is actually like... And it makes the conversations actually have attention to them. So, Because, like, I had some choices that I made, and then people, like, left the group for a little while. <laughs> right, yeah. I have no idea, like, if that's, you know, predetermined or whatever, but it felt completely plausible. And it makes it punishing on a mechanical level, too, because in combat, when you don't have every member of the Guardians together, it gets a little bit, a little bit harder to get things done. I can talk to the divisiveness because I this game surprised me that it is better than I expected it to be, but I do not love it. Uh, and that is because of the combat in the game, which is, you know, the other half of the game. There is a fun mechanic in combat where you can huddle <laughs> and Peter Quill kind of calls everybody together and it starts playing, you know, a classic rock song. Uh, and some of them are real bangers and that's fun. Uh, but... That's like the only enjoyable thing about the combat to me. It is, it is it, it, within the first hour, I feel like you like get it and then it will throw very sort of, you know, action-y game like this stuff at you. Like this one's got a shield. Now what are you going to do? And it's like, well, we'll just get around him. We'll just get around him and, and shoot him and stuff. Like there's other abilities that the other guardians can unlock. You don't control them. You only control Star-Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you kind of command them to do what they are going to do with the intent that like each enemy type has different sort of complications that you have to overcome with the different abilities of the people on your team. But I did not find that necessary at all. Like I, I found like the first ability that I had to be like more than sufficient. I, I don't know how far you got, but like you definitely will need to use a lot of those different abilities to win fights as the game progresses, especially as Peter unlocks like, different elemental abilities for his weapons and those work in concert with the different things that the guardians have. Um, and you really have to kind of work it, work it together. Um, but even that becomes more necessary, even that isn't exactly novel though. I don't know. I just felt like it was, I'm not saying that it's, I'm not trying to act like it's revolutionary. It does feel weirdly secondary to the narrative in a way that like most action games, it's always the action for like, think of a COD game or whatever. Action first, always, always, always. And then the narrative is like window dressing. And here it is flipped. Um, and it's, I don't find it, I don't find the combat bad. It definitely feels like it's, filler it's, to me. 
it's just uninspiring. Like it's I, just yeah. it's it's you've seen yeah. you've seen this combat a lot, and then you have to do it a lot, and then as enemies get stronger, it doesn't necessarily get harder. It's just well, okay, well this fight's gonna take this fight's gonna take a long time. Shit. But my counterpoint to all this, I I do agree that the combat is secondary, just because. Clearly, I mean, the amount of cutscenes in this game, I think that's probably another part of the divisiveness is if you decide early on that you're going to play it like other games and skip, try to skip the cutscenes, you're not going to have a good time. Yeah. Um, but the combat, I am glad that I was playing Tales of Arise before this, I, as silly as that sounds, in that Final Fantasy VII Remake and a few other games have kind of like, I don't know, opened my eyes to to this style of I, I found it very creative like i find that you're right you you can just win this just by spamming the same attack but i enjoy thinking of ways to like effectively combo my my abilities together in the same way that you can like spam your way through devil may cry um but it's it's more pleasurable if you're like stringing together combos right yeah i don't know how much of my the impact was in like, oh, I'm picking Gamora's special attack at the exact right time. Whether that won the fight for me or not, it does feel and look really, really cool when it lands. So, yeah, yeah. I'm- I I also really dig the, uh, the, the, the licensed music drops. It's like, it really makes you wish that more games would employ licensed music, as silly as that sounds. Like, when they have these, I mean, and they're 80 songs that you've heard a million times, but they're still better than the, like, 95% of video game fight music or whatever. Like, I really, really thought that helped the, like, we were talking about the rallies and stuff like that land. Um, uh, I also like how the narrative stuff is even brought into, there's some, like, very light puzzle solving you need to do as you go through the world. But, like, to give you an example of how the narrative overlaps, there's, um like, tunnels that only Rocket can fit into. And when you see one of those, it's, like, pretty much a grand slam. you got to just tell him to go get in the tunnel. Uh, but there was once or twice where when I would push the button, Peter wouldn't – would ask in, like, a rude yeah. way. And Rocket would refuse. <laughs> and then you can, like, ask other – you can ask other people to like, can you get in there? And they would say like, you should probably try asking rocket in like a nicer <laughs> way. Cause I'm not doing it. And then you have to ask him again. So like by asking him again, I mean, you like, you have to actually do the button yeah. prompt again b- to like get him to do it. And so you ask in a nicer way, but it's like, they're letting the narrative overstep mechanics in a way that most video games don't do. Yeah. Like it, that's what really is fascinating to me about this. I don't think it works in a lot of regards, but there is this like undeniable thing that they're doing where it's like really trying to make a hybrid of action and narrative yeah. that I think is really ambitious. I, I also think um, that thing that you're talking about with Rocket is because of decisions that you made already in the game. Um, we yeah. haven't talked about this a lot, but the decisions you make do have relatively important impacts on who is with your party at certain times or how people react to you. Obviously this is not like the game doesn't end in a totally different way. Um, But you could have entire missions that go dramatically, dramatically different ways at times, um, depending on say who you decide to try to sell as a monster to uh, a, a woman who keeps 
yeah. effectively a monster zoo. I, I um, would, that's early in the game. Yeah, it's important to know the um, team behind this game is the Deus Ex team uh, who mm-hmm. did Human Revolution. Um, that team more or less jumped right into this. And you can see a lot of the impact both in like Deus Ex, obviously a series that is like very known for choices that really do impact the gameplay and the story dramatically. So you see it there. But I think just overall, I think the writing has always been strong in the Deus Ex series. And here it's that paired with uh, more of a sense of humor, which Deus Ex traditionally not a very funny series. Uh, Um, Yeah. uh, Can I uh, just... Yeah. I think that the Deus Ex game maybe was well-written, but not relatable or human at all. Uh, Shit, wasn't one of the games called like Beyond Human or something? Oh, no. What am I thinking of? Detroit. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, Become human, and despite the game that this game is, that Guardians is primarily aliens. Yeah, like it is so much more related. Like the things that they talk about, and and um, the way that they either make beef worse between each other or try to squash it. Uh, specifically for me, between Drax and Gamora, like that hit so much harder than anything that ever happened in Deus Ex. Yeah, like and, this and, game got this game is funny, but it also has emotional moments. And Deus Ex, while I do like that series, has neither. Uh, so yeah, there yeah, are yeah, not this, this many triple A studios out there that are doing narrative as good as this. Um, so mm-hmm. I definitely think it's worth really taking notice and. Uh, I hope I see more from this team. I don't know how the game is going to do sales-wise based on, like, I think they fucked up the marketing pretty bad. Um, But I hope that this doesn't discourage people from getting this team out there because, I, you know, it lives and dies based on how strong that writing and the narrative is. Yeah. I'll say, just for people who are worried that they may not be into the game because of the, the somewhat stale combat... Uh, this game has a lot of accessibility options mm-hmm. and you can sort of create your own custom like difficulty setting by changing like very specific parameters about the combat uh, and maybe think about doing that. I don't know if you can change them mid game. You uh, Yeah, you can change I, them at any time and you can turn off stuff like uh, QTEs if you don't want to like mess with QTEs at all. Yeah, you just turn exactly. them off and it'll just like play out the scene. Um, there's a there's a way to tailor the game for yourself is what I'm trying to say where like if the combat is not fun for you you can make it pretty like quick <laughs> to yeah. get through the combat and get back to the story stuff yeah no I, I think it's great I think I'm hopeful that more people get to play it because I know it's a very crowded season but yeah. I, I'm like really struggling just strictly on the narrative side I'm really struggling to think of a stronger Marvel effort than this yeah I think it is probably the best narrative Marvel game. I don't know about gameplay overall, but certainly narrative. Yeah, I kind of liked Avengers, the story, like single player stuff in Avengers, I think a little bit better, but that might just be because I like the combat a whole lot better in that Mm. game. Yeah. Controversial take. Up next, (laughs) we're going to be answering your questions. Whoa. I think you just did a segue with a voice, which seems a little out of line, but I'm all willing to let it stand. Give me those questions. Yeah, it's got to be more like that, a little more basic. Give me them questions. Here we are. We're back with a question from Betty Boo. Um, hey, everybody. This is a question from Betty Boo. Uh, Inscription is the first ever deck building game that I actually like. Also, the first game I actually bought so that I could follow along before you guys discuss it. Oh, Aww. thank you. I'm glad that it was a good one. 
Um, what strategies yeah. do y'all suggest for each loop? Like which encounters to choose, cards, etc. Justin, I'm gonna let you answer this one. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think back to that. <laughs> um, it's been so Justin long. is in the MMO phase of inscription now, so it's really <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's actually become like a, uh, it's an ARG where I have to, my kids have been reading. Um, I would say that if you find yourself not moving at a steady pace to try like working on some of the puzzles around the room, because a lot of them will lead you to really powerful cards uh, that that are, are good um, and helpful to your deck building efforts. The other thing I would say is don't be afraid to sacrifice uh, a card that seems like you need it if it will let you play something more powerful because you will end up, uh, you can end up with this game in a bad loop of like playing a squirrel with the intent of using it for the next time and then, you know, it getting killed by before mm-hmm. you can even sort of like tap it or, or harvest it, however you want to say it. So, um, you know, don't be afraid to to take chances because that will often uh, lead you to success. I would say um, in the in the runs I've gotten furthest in, I always take the routes that give me the most opportunities to get rid of cards like once I have uh, a strategy with my deck that involves pulling certain cards, um, like those very strong death cards, I then want to be able to get my hands on those in my hand as quick as possible. So like, also anytime that you get rid of a card using things like there's a there's an altar that you can just pull one of your cards in and it kills it. Uh, it will give you a token that will basically give you free currency at the start of every fight. Like there's always good stuff that comes out of that. Same with um, the mushroom. There's like a mushroom person oh God, who, if you have so two of the same two of the same types of cards, it'll smash them together, which essentially gets rid of one card that you may not want in your deck. It's also really good to uh, try to upgrade the cards whenever you can. There's these fires mm-hmm. where it's so cool. You basically like you find a fire that you can warm one of your animals by, and that like lets them upgrade, and you can actually do it multiple times. But if you do it too long, eventually the people around the fire will get hungry and eat your <laughs> animal. Yes. Yeah, so fun. it's like really you're you're weighing against that uh, when you're when you're playing. Uh, just one more real quick question, and uh, this one's from me, so I'm going to take this. This one's from uh, Chief Godzilla Officer. Uh, Wednesday, November third is Godzilla Day. What are your favorite Godzilla mm, flicks? Already, what? Already, I can't believe it's Godzilla Day. I, I know Man. it's it's here. I haven't done any of my shopping. Well, th- th- any of you have a favorite Godzilla uh, film before I before I give my answer here? I mean, for me, it's Godzilla versus Kong, which came out this year. Yeah, the movie. Yeah, but beats with ass. the most. I'm kind of with you. Yeah, okay, I've always been so. more of a Kong fan, but I think the matchup between the two was was spot on for me. I haven't watched the like classic uh, Japanese original Godzilla Kong movies, Godzilla, yeah. but my pick would probably be the soundtrack to Godzilla with Matthew. Oh, that actually is a good soundtrack. Um, it's a fucking great soundtrack. This is our second podcast episode in a month where we've talked about how great the 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 soundtrack for Matthew Broderick's <laughs> yeah, Godzilla, which is the title of the film. There's a great Jamiroquai music video <laughs> for that soundtrack that's very hard to see in a good quality, but let me tell you, it's it's good. Are, are we talking you about the score or is it like Goo Goo Dolls? No, it's you're not that far off, but it's like <laughs> the got it's um it's got uh, Wallflowers? cashmere 
sample Puff Daddy oh, yeah. Come With Me. It's got Air by Ben Folds 5. It's got um, that cover of Heroes by uh, the Wallflowers. Yeah, there it is. Are you, by, by the music video, are you talking about the Puff Daddy music video, Chris? No, I'm talking about the Jamiroquai music video where they're in a movie theater, but then it gets attacked. Like, floods oh, and attacked by Jamiroquai, Godzilla. In it. Of course. Yeah. It's the good. Puff Daddy music video is great because it's just him standing in front of a fan with a big white shirt on. <laughs> That's more or less than the theater. And just saying, come with just me. Just saying, come with me. Yeah. It's really hey, good. The best Godzilla movie is just very quickly. It, the best monster is Godzilla versus Hidora. Uh, it's a pollution monster. Uh, best problematic oh, camping movie, King Kong versus Godzilla. Not to be compared to the the new one. That's the original. Are these your uh, answers, Chris? Yeah, these are my answers, but they're also they're also true. Uh, the best uh, oh. not so problematic camping Convenient. movie, Destroy All Monsters, which is just a gem. And best overall isn't movie, that a game? Mothra versus there, Godzilla. It, yeah, it, it is a game. Destroy All Monsters is the one where like all where they're like, ah, you know what? It seems like we've made all of the monsters. There's no monsters left to make. What if we bring them back? What if yeah. we bring mm. all of them back for one show and we fight uh, a kind of like alien space people? It's good. Y'all remember? Y'all remember War of the Monsters? Back on yeah. PS2, it was like a monster a fighting one. game. That was good. We need as more hell. kaiju content. We do. Yeah, that was a good game. Can we talk about uh, what else? Deeper Underground. By Jamiroquai. Yeah. Oh, yeah, album. baby. I'm going. Fucking Brain Stew is on that album. Yes. It whips ass. Uh, can we talk about what else we've been playing this week? No Shelter. <laughs> yeah. Rage Against the Machine. Come on. This album. Yeah. I'm going to buy this CD. I got to get this on vinyl Props for my kids. Props to Broderick. <laughs> kids. Broderick did, Broderick did it again. <laughs> He's sort of like, Broderick was sort of the DJ Khaled yeah. before, yeah. <laughs> you know, DJ Khaled. He would like get all the bangers on one track. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about honorable mentions? Because I think Russ's is the same as mine. It is. Okay. It's, uh, well, I, yeah, why don't you and I should, be, I should be noted, I actually did very briefly talk about it during Resties, but we can get a little more in depth here. Uh, I think it kicks a lot of ass. It's called Death's Gambit Afterlife, uh, which is apparently the expanded version of Death's Gambit, which came out like three years ago or yeah, so. Yeah, t- uh, 2018. Um, it came out on Switch with this Afterlife expansion. Uh, it is a Souls-like um, in the vein. I don't know if you all ever played Salt and Sanctuary. Um, yeah. It is it is similar to that in the, in the sort of way that it, it uh, appropriates those like Souls- Dark Souls mechanics of like going around and collecting stuff and, um, you know, trying hard not to die on these big boss fights or else you'll lose some stuff. Um, but I would say me- this is a much more mechanically refined game on a bit more smaller scale than Salt and Sanctuary. Uh, it has big um, Dead Cells energy, mm-hmm. not necessarily in the the mechanics of it, but in how it feels, like how the combat and feels. And the aesthetic to some extent. And the aesthetic, absolutely. Um, I mean, the aesthetic, you could probably guess, right? It takes place in this ruined kingdom where there's lots of undead monsters and uh, you have to go fight a bunch of boss fights as you, you know, make your way through this this environment. Um, it has a little bit more Metroidvania stuff in it, like you get for defeating certain boss fights, like the air dash and the double jump and all that. And what's jazz. really interesting is that was not in the original release. That was added for Afterlife. So they reworked the entire map to like integrate that stuff into it which is bizarre to me I, oh I, I didn't know that yeah um 
it's it's great. Like there's lots of um there's like seven different classes that you can choose from and then customize how you want and get subclasses later on in the game and it just feels really good. Yeah. It feels very, very, very good. Um it's a little bit limited in uh like there's different weapon types that each, you know, character can sort of specialize in, like long swords or daggers or magic tomes or whatever. Um and then there's like special skills for each one of those, but there's only like four different weapons in each of those categories and like only a handful of skills for each of those. Like it's a much more smaller thing than compared to like Salt and Sanctuary where you are, you know, there's dozens and dozens of weapons to find and, you know, all these different ways to customize your characters. But to the game's credit, like because it has narrowed the options down a little bit, like it all feels, it all feels really great. Yeah, um, yeah there's a whole talent it's, system it's a for that like kind of blends into itself. Uh, you know, Salt and Sanctuary had like, you could spend 300 talent points across this giant web of things. And here, every single talent you pick is making like a pretty big impact on your character rather than just like 2% more damage on blah, um, which I think is a really smart design decision. I'm totally smitten by it. um, And it just, again, kind of came out of nowhere for me. I know it actually came out a month or two ago, so it's a little bit old, but... um, if you dig on, I mean, there's been so many great Metroidvanias this year, but here is another one. Yeah, I, I, I can't recommend it enough. It is, it is, it is shockingly, I think, in the, in the top, top five of, of the year for me, just because I, you I play it on Switch. Set the yeah, place to play it on Switch at 60 frames. It's yeah, like it runs great, great on Switch. It runs really, really well. Um, I can't. Yeah, you're gonna. You're if you like these types of games, you are going to very much enjoy Death Gambit. Perfect. Sounds great. Uh, I want to plug a uh, a TV show that I've been watching a little bit of that Travis got me onto. My brother Travis, uh, and it kind of made me our Guardians discussion kind of made me think of it is uh, is Doom mm-hmm. Patrol um, on HBO Max, which is not one that I had ever watched before, and I just kind of ducked in to see uh, how things were going over there. And uh, it's really fun and it's enjoyable right from the beginning. And you talk about a Super, and I'm I'm just a few episodes in still, so I I don't know how this all unfolds, but um, talk about a superhero show where people really actively work to not be superheroes uh, a lot is is this show. It is very much about the interpersonal relationships between the characters and them sort of like gradually easing into accepting like just sort of who they are. The Doom Patrol, if you don't know, is sort of like defined by the fact that these people are outsiders without traditional like superpowers in the way that that we would think of with a lot of heroes um brandon frazier is in it he's great timothy dalton's great tudyk my man alan tudyk always always a slam dunk it's really fun and it's you know if you got hbo max you can just like yeah i I love the show i haven't started season three yet uh, but i've watched the first two seasons and it's spectacular it's It's just like very super creative and constantly like introducing things that I like go and like dive into wikis about. And I'm like, they really made a comic about this because it's totally yeah, bubble yeah, yeah. wild, but it's, it's great. I, I really like that show. The fact that three episodes in, they introduce animal, vegetable, mineral. Yeah. Man, it's like, whoa, what are <laughs> it, we doing? It goes wilder from there. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're in for a treat. Fresh, do you have anything else that you uh, wanted to share? Or just no, desk gambit's Gambit. mostly been taking up my free time. Um, so yeah have you finished it yet no no i i okay. yeah you you're probably a little bit ahead of me i i just uh yeah close but not quite uh i want to share uh nightmare alley the 1947 version not the new guillermo del toro movie which is coming out in december 
But I'm sharing this because you should watch the original film now. It's on Criterion Channel. 1947 sounds like a really old movie. I assure you, if you can watch an Alfred Hitchcock movie, you can watch this and really enjoy it. It is um, grim. It's about a, uh, I don't know, kind of a confidence artist uh, who uses fraud to to make a lot of money in uh the backstage acts of carnivals um and what happens to him when he his ambitions get away from him uh it is great it's really cool to see a movie that is is like kind of weird and macabre as this that also had like a really big budget and it has me really excited for the new movie that is coming out with uh bradley cooper in it and a whole bunch of other folks of note, the new movie is based off of the book, which came out like a year before this movie, and apparently is even darker, which would explain why Guillermo del Toro said it's going to be like a hard R. Um, but yeah, it's good stuff. It is very different than the type of stuff he makes normally. Where can you watch it? You can stream it on Criterion Channel right now. And the Criterion <sighs> Channel has it as the, like, uh, where it's like they port all of the special features so you can watch like the documentaries about it and interviews about it and all that stuff. Are we chomping pop culture happy hours flavor with the honorable mention segment as it stands now? <laughs> I don't think so because we select good stuff. Oh, oh, that's oh, right. I cannot bring yeah, that heat. Here. They have selected our show before, several times. Like, not this show. I'm just kidding. One of the ones I work on. You know, Linda Holmes is great. I still think about the review that she did of Scott Pilgrim a long time ago. It's a really oh, yeah. great piece. Witcher's headed back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my okay. dude, get there. I do want to thank some folks who have written reviews for the besties, uh, specifically Prisma Bunny, Jeff Williams, Your Man in Motion, Mushroom Boy 1022, and Chris Plant's son. Thank you, Chris Plant's oh, nice. son. Yeah. And nice thank you to everyone group. else who has written reviews. We really appreciate it. I don't want to tell you your business, Chris, but you should you should wait a little bit longer to introduce your your child to the internet. I don't want to oh. tell you how to do your your stuff, but that's a an irresponsible age. I'm never keep. letting my child anywhere near the internet or people knowing about <laughs> my child. Um, here's what people can know about the games that we talked about this week. We talked about Inscription, which is the like moody meta card game thing of a jig. We talked about Guardians of the Galaxy, the uh, not connected to the MCU uh, storytelling action RPG-ish thing. We also talked about Death's Gambit Afterlife. You know, it's one of those games that Fresh Dick and Griffin like, um, and I should actually probably play. Um, uh, Justin talked about Doom Patrol, which is now streaming on HBO Max. I talked about Nightmare Alley, the original from 1947, which is on Criterion Channel. And we also talked about Pop Culture Happy Hour, a show that I actually like and I feel bad for dunking on. Yeah, you should. <laughs> oh, qu- hey, quick bonus, as long as we're doing it. Secession's the best show on TV in the third season. Yeah, I didn't want to mention it because it seems basic to mention how good that it's show so is, but it's really good. good. It's like so good. That's good. I can't take the risk that not everybody's Very watching good. it to just get there. Uh, next week. We are talking about the game that I have been most excited to talk about this year, Forza Horizon 5, the latest entry in the best open world franchise that is an active uh, development these days. Can we pull the room and get an understanding of who else is excited to talk about Forza Horizon 5? 
Wait, are we actually? Is it is it too late to stop this? No, <laughs> no. It, are, are you all kidding? I'm not fucking playing Forza Horizon Five. Not in any reality am I playing that game. Well, what about COD? COD comes out on what Friday. You, I got diarrhea next Wednesday. You hey, are alert! Fuckers. I put it on the counter. I got diarrhea next Wednesday. I'm not just playing a racing play game. Play this game. It is it. Fucking play no, it like it's an open no world way. game. They're making the next Fable. Do you want a taste of the, the that new Fable flavor? Yeah, when that one's out, I'll play that. Okay, assuming it doesn't have cars in it, I'm not playing this fucking racing. Should game. we also talk about the new COD game then? We absolutely yeah, should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be your, your man. Oh on the my street. gosh. Okay, next week's gonna <laughs> be a how, fun one. This is how fun. I'm gonna drink. I'm gonna d- to avoid Forza Horizon Five. I'll pound a bunch of fucking G fuel <laughs> and play and play COD with my gunners on. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'll play both because I'm a real gamer. Although I don't have an Xbox Series X, which seems like something I should rectify. It's probably on PC too, right, Plan? It's on PC. A real gamer would know that. Justin, can you take us home? Yeah, gladly. Except it does take me one step closer to listen to people talk about Forza Horizon 5. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our show. Go play Inscription, uh, no matter who you are. And play Guardians of the Galaxy if you think you would like it. And thanks to uh, everybody who's been supporting us for for all this time. We appreciate it. And thanks for being so cool. Uh, this is the only show that I know of or have ever heard of where when it started running ads, people were celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> because of it, the, the show might continue in a more consistent So if you form. want to visit some of our sponsor links, you should go ahead yeah. and do that. They actually pay attention yeah, to that, that shit. that would definitely help. Yeah, that would really help. So thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, that is going to do it for us. So until next week, my name is Justin McElroy. Um, Be sure to join us again next week for the besties. Because should the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Besties!